Hello, everyone. We're going to be talking today about adult cinema of the 1960s through 1980s, the golden era, if you will, of adult entertainment. I'm your host, Abigail Liv, founder of The Sex Lab, an experimental media lab exploring sexuality. Today's interview will explore the following. How did Impulse Pictures start? Where did the eight millimeter loops in the Peep Show collection come from? What was the process of digitizing vintage films? What are the qualities that Impulse Pictures looks for when picking a loop? And preservation versus conservation, what is the mentality? And with me today to talk about loops from the 42nd Street collection, when sex toy shops and live shows were a common setting in New York City, is co-founder of Impulse Pictures, Jerry Chandler. Welcome, Jerry. Hi, how you doing? Very well, how about you? Uh, pretty good, pretty good, can't complain. Well, welcome to the Sex Labs podcast. Uh, we have some very interesting insight uh, in going into the narrative of adult cinema, but let's not get ahead of ourselves too far. Uh, first, let's talk about uh, how you got involved in making vintage film loops. So let's begin with Impulse Pictures itself, the offshoot label of Synapse Films. Both do very similar things in that they're labels to restore classic cinema, but while Synapse specializes in sci-fi, horror, and cult pictures, Impulse caters to the fans of erotic content of bygone years. Uh, well, let's start first with how uh, Impulse Pictures came to be. It came to be because, uh, you know, when people started noticing the restoration work that we were doing at Synapse, we started getting a lot of uh, offers from people to restore their films. Um, of course, we're limited by time as to, you know, how much we can do at a given moment. But some of the more interesting things was uh, like adult films. And when we started, if you'll, if you notice early in the Synapse catalog, there's, uh, there are some adult films, but not too many. Uh, I guess our society is still a little, uh, I don't know, repressed is the word I like to use because we would get uh, fans telling us how great it was that we were expanding out to different genres. And then we would also get a significant amount of hate mail from what we call snowflakes who can't take any sex with their violence. Uh, you know, they like horror films, but oh my God, you, you're doing something, a softcore movie? Oh, my kids. I can't, you know, we got a lot of pushback on it. So we decided, you know what? We're, you know, we're interested in these movies and they need preservation and restoration. We're just going to start an alternate label and put it out through that label. This way, it frees Synapse from the stigma that some people still have over erotica. Uh, the second question was, how did the loops uh, start? Um, you know, we started by doing a few adult films. And then I met a collector at one of the uh, horror film conventions that uh, we frequently do, although we haven't done any in the last uh, year or so, and we all know why. Uh, but before that, we used to do about 12 shows a year. And uh, this gentleman mentioned to me, and he lived in the city that we were at at the time. He said, why don't you come out to my house? I have 9,600 loops in my basement. I said, okay, let's take a visit. And we became very good friends. And, uh, you know, what I do is I'll drive to that city and I'll pick out about 250 loops, one at a time. Uh, and, you know, we catalog them because he's a collector and we want to make sure we don't even lose a single one. And then I'll bring them back to our offices in Detroit and we'll, we'll go about uh, creating the, the versions of uh, the peep show editions, you know, different editions, so to speak. Um, right now, this morning, I just sent the loops to the transfer house for volumes 47, 48, and 49. So as you can tell, there, it's been a quite a popular line. People love these movies because they're so different from the erotica we see today that's being generated, say, since the late 90s, 2000s, today. Uh, 
but how did you know that there was an audience for this, given as you were just saying that uh, erotica today is very different from erotica of the 60s, 70s, and 80s? It's the, the answer to that question is going to make me sound quite foolish, but I'll tell you anyways. We didn't, and we don't work that way. We don't pick movies based on what we think the response is going to be. Everything we do in both Synapse and Impulse is we do what we like, and we hope that other people like what we like, because if they don't, we're going to be out of business. But we don't sit there and do marketing and think, oh, well, this person said that's hot right now, or this person said this. No, it's if we like it, we'll do it. And that's basically it. I, you know, I love the loops. It was, uh, you know, I was born in 1959. So I was in my early teens in the early 70s. And, you know, if you wanted to see something uh, porny, that's what you had to do. You had to sneak into somebody's dad's closet and pull out their loops and get that lousy, loud, clanky, you know, bell and howl projector, clack, 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 and watch it in the basement if the mom wasn't home. <laughs> so, that, I mean, this is it. So, I mean, the nostalgia for me, uh, you know, because we've done numerous loops that I remember seeing in my youth either dropping quarters in a booth or, <laughs> you know, seeing in somebody's basement. Well, let's get then into talking more about the film loops specifically. The 42nd Street Forever collection is not one specific collection of film reels, but years of compilation of eight millimeter films shot between the 60s and the 80s. You've compiled and restored an era of pre-DVD, pre-digital media for an audience that may essentially never have seen it before. This was even before cassette players. So first the basics, where would you go to see these loops? Well, you mean back in the day? Back in the day. Back in the day, you would go to the adult bookstore and for your neck of the woods, just walk down what used to be called 42nd Street. <laughs> I'm sure it's still called it, but it's nobody knows what it used to be like. But in adult bookstores, at the back of the bookstores, they would have um, these booths now, in Detroit, it was a little bit different than Manhattan. Manhattan had live dancers, and they had a window that would you would drop in a quarter, and it would slide up for a few seconds, and then it would slide down again. In the Detroit area, and I think through most of the country, the booths were would have two films, what's the word, spliced together, and put on a loop. That's why they're called the loops. And what it would do is it would run forever. You would go in, you would look at the, the side of the booth. They'd have the covers from the two films. And if they, it caught your eye, you would go inside and you would sit down and drop a quarter in and you get about two minutes of play, maybe a minute. And you would hope that the one of the two movies was next. <laughs> Otherwise, you had to sit through the first one to see the second one. I mean, you would, and you would be sitting watching in this booth and all you would hear is the projector sound. And I wanted to recreate that, you know, the covers of the uh, peep show editions look like, we'll call it for lack of a better uh, word, a marquee at the end of the booth. You know, there would be a tiny marquee with the two little pictures. And you, when you hear, if you turn up the sound, all you hear is the projector sound because that's all you heard. We're trying to recreate that exact experience that I went through as a teenager. Yeah, and it sounds like if uh, you didn't have the patience for two minutes and not enough quarters in your pockets, you were short of luck. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if patience is the proper word, but uh, we get what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or if have, you can do it in two minutes yeah <laughs> alternatively have, as well that sounds like a fast turnaround you know look sometimes you couldn't you couldn't wait for your movie to start so you would go back the next day or later that day uh that was always risky because they would change the loops every week or every other week well there's certainly no lack of then a variety uh if you oh, wanted no. to recreate the same experience though that you had from yesteryear or rather from the previous time that you went to see a, a clip, if you will, uh, the chances that you were going to see the same one twice seems pretty unlikely. 
you know, you're, I think you're right there. And what we try and bring to everybody is what you might see. A typical adult bookstore would have maybe five booths on each side or 10 booths on each side. So you figure there, you know, 10 to 20 different movies and you are capable of seeing anything. Uh, and of course we don't use anything that would be deemed illegal. So there's no kids, no animals, nothing like that. But uh, there's orgy type uh, loops. There's uh, single male, female loops. There's uh, lesbian loops. We don't really do much male on male stuff because we get no call for it whatsoever. Our fans seem to like the everything else. They, they all like to see women <laughs> with, and either all women or women with men. But uh, we don't get much call. We do get a little bit. But again, I don't have a source for, uh, you know, uh, I'll call it gay loops. There were certainly tons of them made, but uh, we haven't used those yet. What else? Do I hear a potential market then? There's always a potential because we have had, you know, we like to please people. So we, you know, but nothing planned as of this time. I'd have to find some source. And right now, I have an awful lot to get through that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking from the collector. I got to go through them and return them. So I, I, you know, it's not a, the timing isn't really great for me to go and look to start another line of that. But certainly you might have a few individual loops showing up in editions uh, uh, moving forward, but we haven't really even talked about it yet. I just, I'm the one who answers the phones here in the office and I do get some requests from time to time, but far less than the rest of the stuff. Hmm, very interesting. Well, speaking of sources, and I think you touched on this earlier about having an archive uh, to which a collector has amply supplied you with material. Do you have a lot of options when it comes to digitizing the material? Oh my God, yes. I've used maybe 600 loops so far. I've rejected about a hundred and uh, yeah, I have about 8,800 left to go through. <laughs> so I could, I could be doing this as long as there's an interest, I can be putting these out. Well, there you go. Uh, given also that you're just releasing another set of loops, it sounds like you're amply supplied in terms of material and an archive. It's not a, a matter of the, the scarcity of a resource. It's just choosing which one you want. Yes and no. I'll qualify what you just said. It, the scarcity is in finding a collector because I've looked elsewhere and it's very, very difficult. Some people will have a few loops and they'll think they're worth thousands. So they won't be interested in selling them or renting them unless they could get a king's ransom. And really, they're really not worth anything to anyone except me, you know? So that or... You know, sometimes people have this fantasy that they're going to do this. So they want to protect their, you know, whatever. I haven't really found a good source other than my great source. And it seems to be ample, <laughs> you know, it seems to be ample. Well, it only takes one really in the, the end. And as your source seems to also have uh, quite a collection, it's not, they're lacking. But are most of the films in your collection or the collection that you have accessible to you uh, in restorable quality? Can you actually make them into a feature presentation that will then go out to uh, Peep Show Collection 50, 51, 52? Well, you know, we do a little restoration on the film loops because they're all eight millimeter or super eight. We don't do a tremendous amount of restoration because you can't. It's a very small film frame there's very little you can be done. And these movies were shot in basements, uh, you know, outdoors with handheld camera. I mean, you know, it's not like people were shooting uh, a Hollywood film. So when you look at like, if it's too dark or something, that could be the way it's shot, or if it's too grainy, or if it's too this or too that. What we try and do is we try and restore a little color if we can that's very difficult, but a lot of our loops look really good. And then, uh, you know, we don't do much scratch removal because I've found that 
in when it comes to the loops, people like the old look to them because they, I don't know, it just adds to the feel. Nobody was fixing up the actual film loops in the boots. If it tore, it tore and you saw the tear and you saw everything cut out where they had to fix it. And I mean, I'm recreating exactly what you would have seen in that booth and trying to beef up the colors so they were as sharp as they may have been back then. But there's not much else we can do to it. The bigger the frame, the more area you have to work with, the more restoration you can do. Great. Well, with all of that out of the way, let's talk about your actual curation. Uh, you've built a massive collection of loops uh, with a very cult-like following behind them as well. Just go to your Facebook page for Synapse Films and you see the whole list of people who are uh, itching for the next uh, collection to come out. But let's just say, just like you finished, that you're starting a new volume of loops. Um, there's about 15 loops per volume, correct? Yes. Uh, do you have a formula for how you choose them? Yeah, I try and have a little bit of everything. So first, when you get a loop collection, you're going to have around five of my three categories, boy, girl, three people or more. It could be as long as there is some opposite sex there. Um, so you could have two girls and a guy, two guys and a girl, 15 people, as long as there's both sexes, you know, that's in the three or more category. And then I have lesbian, which is very, very popular among the guys out there. And uh, so we always try and have five of them. Now, sometimes you'll have six, four and five or four or five and six or something. You'll always get 15 loops. You may not always get five of each of those subgenres. Sometimes you might get four or six, but not always five. And that's because if I make, if I select 15 loops and we send them out, when I'm picking them, all I can see is the cover and maybe, maybe a description. Sometimes there's nothing on the cover, not even a picture or a description. So I have to take my chance, roll the dice and send them out. Once they're transferred, I get a file that contains all 15 loops. And of course, if one of them isn't really boy girl, but it's got three people in it or something, I got to move it to the proper category. So you'll have six and four instead of five and five. And then sometimes I have to toss out a loop because it doesn't meet my criteria. It's not good enough. It doesn't quote unquote deliver, uh, you know, the filmmakers that back then were no different than they are today. So, uh, some companies would cut up a full-length adult film and just pull out eight minutes of the sex and splice it together and call it a loop. But it wasn't a loop. Those we don't. Those don't fly. Um, we pull those out. Uh, sometimes it's just not very good. The action isn't appealing. The there's no payoff. Whatever the case may be, I try and you know, I have my own little hot gauge, you know, if it's the loop's got to be hot to me. If it's not, I got a lot more to pick from. I don't have to stick lousy ones on the disc. I think that's one of the reasons why these collections are so popular. They tend to deliver quite well <laughs> for the money. <laughs> there's no, uh, <laughs> you know, there's no shortcuts and there's no, you know, and so far, of course, when you're dealing with this many loops, there's always the chance that one may repeat, but I've done now 46 volumes and I, and I've picked for 47, 48 and 49. And I'm happy to say that's about 50 times, it's 750 loops, pretty close to it. And I haven't picked any twice. <laughs> so that's, that's good because collectors hate that, you know, unless you have an improved version, you know, they want their 15. They don't want one they already had or two they already had or whatever. And I've seen that a lot, you know, uh, collecting myself before I got into the business. Sure. It's like uh, many other 
uh, collectible hobbies, if you will, baseball cards, coins, uh, anything that can be duplicated uh, is not something you want, need or want to have necessarily two of, right. uh, unless you're doing it for the purposes of maybe reselling it, I guess, you know, uh, but in your case, I don't see you reselling video. <laughs> Well, you know what, they, it would be like filling in a gap, like, oh, right. we only have 13 here. Let's put in these ones that people already saw just to fill out the volume. No, I'll hold the volume up till I get more loops and then fill them in with something you haven't seen. So if you ever do see a loop that you've seen on a previous volume, I'll tell you right now it was a mistake. Mm, well, you can write to Jerry and tell him you've made a mistake <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after yeah. what uh, almost a <laughs> almost a thousand clips. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. I think we're only human at that point. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, what exactly, as you were saying, is a good scene, or as you say, delivers? Well, it's it needs to be graphic. It needs to have. Uh, if it's got a man in it, it's got to have a, the money shot. It's got to have uh, real action. It, it can't, it can't be simulated or hidden or too much build up and no. It's got to, it's got to have a good balance. Look, back when these were being made, these people knew what they had to get to, and you don't get a lot of bad loops. But you know, the collectors will have, they'll collect anything. They'll buy, uh, you know. Um, lots of these and you know uh you're gonna pick something you don't you don't know what's inside and sometimes you get in one box i got somebody's home movies i don't know how it got on there but i first i i my jaw dropped i see these kids running around a park and i go oh shit this is whatever you know this is bad and then you know a dog's chasing a ball and a mom is saying okay kids get in the car and whatever it was somebody's whole movie stuck in a box so yeah i had to pay to transfer that and of course we didn't use it <laughs> <laughs> not the sort of filler you were looking for <laughs> no but you you know you get all kinds of stuff and and like so look you know when you're watching it you know if it if it's good or not you just know and uh if a movie, like I said, I have enough to choose from where I can just give people the really good loops. I mean, there's never a weak one. And of course, it's good in my opinion. It may not be in somebody else's opinion, you know. So, you know, there were so many, what's so fascinating about the loops is there's so many people, uh, men and women that just showed up for one loop and you never see them again, or sometimes two or three loops and you never, never see them again. So it's like, did somebody talk them into it? Uh, you know, who knows? But I find the whole idea fascinating. And, and uh, you know, so I, I, you know, I like seeing the women that went on to become big stars later, like uh, Seika, very, very young. She did loops when she was, younger than when she did the film same with Annie Sprinkles or Lisa DeLeo and a number of them this was all at the beginnings of their careers so it was it's just really really cool for if you're a porn nostalgist as I am you know it's just really cool it's cool to see so and you certainly have watched enough films to know <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. what makes the cut but what are some if you will common scenarios that you run into uh time and time again with these loops wow <laughs> delivery man there's always a delivery man he could be a plumber he could be bringing a pizza he could be you know what there's a lot of that there's uh you know there's you know when they have an asian actress they like doing an asian theme sometimes i mean i it's hard to even call it an asian theme i i don't know there's by politically correct statements or <laughs> standards of today uh maybe not well <laughs> the, by the, stereotypes when i say asian theme i'm thinking the girl is in a traditional asian outfit before she takes it off you know, I mean, that's about all you're going to get theme-wise in a seven-minute loop. So, you know, um, uh, I remember there was a lesbian one called Geisha on the Ginza. And all it was was a, 
obviously Japanese uh, girl uh, cleaning a blonde girl's pool and, you know, and getting leaves out of it. And uh, the, the blonde girl comes outside and they start uh, going at it right there on a, on a lounge chair. So, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, the, the whole theme was basically uh, using some Japanese words because there was an Asian girl in the movie. But again, it's a service. You know, she's there in a service capacity. So you, you see that a lot. I mean, there's some that get like a guy is robbing the house or he breaks him with a fake gun. Uh, uh, but pretty much, you know, uh, people are sitting in a living room and they just start kissing and, you know, they're, they're I mean, I've seen jogging themes of somebody's jogging and they see somebody. So they go, I mean, it, it's just about anything you could think of they've they've used but i'd say if i had to name one theme that you see more than uh, any other it's a the delivery service person that comes to the house and uh, <laughs> you know the pizza boy <laughs> right i mean because we all know if we've ever had to deliver anything all you do is knock on the door and it's instant sex right i mean it just uh, imitates reality right <laughs> Well, it's funny that you say this. Uh, it does it, uh, also sound like, uh, oh, excuse me. It also sounds like that they're mostly domestic scenes then. They're things that are happening in, in someone else's house or around their I'd say for the most or, part. Yeah. Sounds yeah, like. If you, you know, get outside, you're sitting around a pool. <laughs> it's about <laughs> right, it. Right. Yeah. Although on this latest um, set of loops that I just sent out for, uh, I don't know what volume it's going to be on there's actually one i remember seeing when i was very young called uh, the bloody malaga and there's it's like a spy story with you know fake guns shooting and stuff in between a few sex scenes i don't remember it i'll see it when the transfer comes in for my approval but you know i mean really the people making these loops were interested in making as much money as possible as quickly as possible. So they're going to put as little as possible cost-wise into making these loops. I remember interviewing Jamie Gillis uh, before he died and he talked, you know, we were interviewing him for a X-rated movie he was in that we're going to be putting out, but he also talked about his loops days and he said, hey, you know, he was studying to be a Shakespearean actor, <laughs> but he couldn't get hired on Broadway. And then he had a chance to make $50 and have sex with, with a pretty young girl. And he said, hell, they didn't even have to pay me. I took the 50 bucks because I needed it. But that's how I did. I just liked having sex with girls. So he gave up on the, the big acting and just went into that. And, you know, he was quite prolific in the adult film world. Yeah, do what you like, definitely. And if you like having <laughs> sex and have it, yeah, it's yeah. a great mentality to live by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I didn't have to ask him twice. Twice, yeah. Well, what are some conversely more eccentric, or let's say, what is the most eccentric clip that you've seen? Uh, the weirdest one I, I've seen was, I think we've talked about this, on the last one on volume three, which is, I'm pretty sure it's a, well, it's got to be a fake snuff film. And uh, it's just so bizarre. Um, I don't know how much description you need, but it's- Yeah, a, give it to our audience who doesn't have access to the DVD collection. All right, so it starts out, two girls are standing on the side of the road and they're hitchhiking. And a car drives by and the camera's on the far side of the road and the car drives by and I guess purportedly it hits one of the girls, but you can clearly see from the way they shot it as it drives by, it's five feet in front of her. Regardless, she falls over when the car drives by and she's dragged into this cabin that's behind them by the other girl. And uh, first the other girl, you know, uh, tears off some of uh, the, the girl who's unconscious is clothes. She uh, does some stuff to her. She pees on her and that's real. 
And then she gets out a broken bottle and starts, uh, you know, uh, penetrating the girl with it. That part's not graphic. Um, and the blood looks like a H.G. Lewis film blood. So it looks very fake. But I found it extremely bizarre. And I wanted to see what is the history behind this loop? And we were able to find the company that produced it. It was Vampire, V-A-M-P-Y-R. And we cannot find another loop that this company ever produced. We believe it was a European company. And I've talked to people in the porn business from that era, and none of them have ever uh, heard of the company or the loop before. Uh, the actual name of the loop is called the Barbarian Girls, although... <laughs> <laughs> They're not dressed up in loinskins or anything. And there's a car driving by. So we don't know anything about it. But I have seen it in somebody else's collection as well. Not in a collection of loops they put on DVD, but in their private collection. So to me, that is the most bizarre loop. I, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Um, again, it's not super graphic. If, if you're a fan of real death, I think you'll be disappointed but it's not something you usually see in an adult loop. And, uh, you know, we don't really do the uh, bondage or the torture loops. And I've seen them. I've seen horrible, horrible loops where somebody's burning the victim with a cigarette and stuff like that. It doesn't really hold any interest in it, in us. Re remember, we like to do loops. We or, or things we like, and we're not fans of animal torture or children or anybody being tortured. We're just not fans of it. I mean, there's too much about sex to enjoy. Why, <laughs> why go there? You know, it's just not, it doesn't do it for me. So I don't put those out. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And in terms of how heavily you're actually restoring all of these pieces, are you simply doing simple edits to them like color correcting or is this is there a heavier hand in uh, and especially the older clips we do color correcting but you used a bad word we don't edit edit would involve taking something out and the reason why I, i'm drawn to that is because i've seen loops in other people's collections that they do have on dvd or blu-ray or vhs tape in which i've noticed scenes missing and I've called them and I've said, you took this out of this loop. How could you do that? What did you, well, we don't want to be arrested. So I found the other people in that, that do this type of work are, are very uh, timid. We will not edit. I'll, if I'm going to, to uh, if I've selected this loop, you're going to see it just as it was shot with everything they included. Um, we're just, we're kind of fearless when it comes to that. And if we ever get stopped or whatever, there won't be any more volumes. But as long as we're putting out volumes, um, we will not edit. And it's funny because Synapse left one of our distributors um, <laughs> about 15 years ago, we put out the, uh, a set of movies called The Schoolgirl Reports from Germany. There's 13 volumes. It's all softcore, very mm. popular. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if I sent you one, but if you'd like, I can, I can send you a volume. They're very popular. There's no penetration. There's some frontal nudity, men and women, but uh, it, it's just very sexy. I mean, a lot of people like softcore as well. It's not as blatant as hardcore and they, they like that. But my distributor at the time noticed something in one of the volumes and said, we're not releasing this. I said, what are you talking about? You're my distributor. You have to release it. No, we don't like this particular scene. I said, you're talking about 30 seconds and there's nothing illegal or wrong with it. Well, we're not releasing it unless you make the cut. So we made a cut, but we kept our first version. It's called Schoolgirl Report Volume 3, and you could buy it from us at the time. But if you were a store and you had to get it from our uh, distributor, it, we made a version called Schoolgirl Report Volume 3 International Edition, which was missing that 30 seconds that they objected to. And we were very unhappy. We had to do a second version. 
and we, I told Don, I said, look, these guys are censoring us and our company cannot be censored. It's not what we do. We present movies as they were shot. We'll put scenes back in that somebody else took out, but we will never remove something because that's just to us, that's ripping off the fans. No way. So I told Don, if this distributor is going to start editing us or censoring us, which they've done, we have to leave. We're not putting out another title till we have a new distributor. And we did. We got out of our contract and we said, we're out. See ya. And then a bunch of other labels left after us. But uh, th this was a very big, I don't want to use their name, but they're nationally well-known. They're internationally known. And they just decreed from on high, we don't like this. We're not doing it. And it's like, okay, we don't like you. We're not going to be one of your labels anymore. Of course, they couldn't care less. It didn't make any difference to them. But we stayed true to our purpose and, and what we do. And we left. Yeah, I'm sorry. We, we got no. off on a sidetrack. Uh, no, no, not at all. That's a very interesting uh, tangential note about uh, cutting and editing clips um, and uh, maintaining a purist mentality of restoration uh, versus uh, adaptation to the current. Right. So to answer your question, we do our color correction. We don't do much dirt or scratch removal uh, because we like the feel it gives and the, the frames aren't really big enough to do a lot of work on. Um, it maintains the grit and the authenticity of what you would actually have seen it in uh, living color, if you will, yeah, to, sure, to the, sure. the reality of the actual booth itself. Right. All well, right. talking about that uh, and more in regards to actually how you're creating or recreating uh, the booth experience, audio. There's conversation that sometimes happens in these scripts of the film, but mm -hmm. there's actually no audio except for the reel that would be clicking um, that has been added back into your film clips uh, in post-production. Uh, what would you have heard in the booths? Exactly what you hear with the film clips. There were no audio, although I will qualify that. This is a very tiny, tiny point. There were a few loops that had audio, but to hear the audio, the person who owned the adult bookstore had to have a, it had to be in his equipment there to be able to play the audio. Uh, it was so rare, and I'm sure these guys in the adult bookstores weren't looking to spend money on that. It was just not necessary. So, you know, you wouldn't really have heard anything. If you'll notice, if there is talking, there's one of two things. You either get a subtitle or it's, they're look like looking at the camera and saying it. So you could read their lips pretty easily. You know, it's not, not much of a mystery as to the uh, conversation. Plus the scripts were so generic and, and, you know, there were no, no Easter eggs, so to speak. It was like pretty much, you know, if you can't figure it out, you know, maybe switch to like a Disney movie or something. You know? uh, it doesn't require a ton of audio to understand what's going on. <laughs> right, right, right. If at all, in most of the, the DVDs. Uh, but how have you recreated those in uh, the loop clips that you're putting out for the collection? Well, like I said, there's nothing to recreate that way other than the projector sound, because again, that's all you would have heard is just the projector. Right, so, that clicking, uh, that turnover. Yeah. Which, if it bothers you, you could turn it off. You could. Just, I think it's magical. I think oh, yeah. that adds adds some authenticity to something that otherwise sure. would be out of context uh, to be but watching other people. It. Other people have asked, why don't you use this generic music or pay someone to use music or whatever and just have the twangy stuff like that used to be in the films. And I say, because those used to be in the films. It was, they were not in the, the booths, the loops. It wasn't part of it. Now, you mentioned something. Uh, you know, my target audience really wasn't people today, you know, young people. It was people like me who remember this and 
those are mostly the people I talk to. The young people order from our website. The old folks don't have computers and they call in and they like to, I saw, I remember seeing this loop in, you know, 1972 when I was, you know, and I'm very personable and I talk to everybody who calls in. Um, so it's, you know, it's really my, look, it's for everybody and I'd be tickled pink if everyone bought them. But when I was designing them, it was the people, it was, I was designing it for nostalgia purposes and also ease of use. And I think we've talked about that before. You know, if, uh, if you put the disc in your player and you pick the first category, boy, girl, the second court category, three or more, or the third category, the, the girl, girl stuff, uh, if you go to the screen, you get a, about a 30-second clip from each film. So if your spouse runs out to the store <laughs> and you want to take advantage of that, and I'm sure a lot of people out there know exactly what I'm talking about, uh, you know, it helps. You throw in, oh, I didn't remember that, that loop I wanted to see. I didn't remember, you know, where it is, which one it's on. You just grab any disc that's, that you can get your hands on, throw it in there, and you can pick real quickly which one you want to see. So, you know. You get a quickie. Yeah. And, <laughs> Even uh, quicker than the two-minute. Right. And, and people have thanked me for that. They, they say, you thought of everything. I said, of course. I started <laughs> as a consumer, you know. It takes one to know one. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's how yeah. we do things with Synapse as well. When we're doing a Hollywood film or a foreign film and we're putting $100,000 into restoration and we're creating a beautiful like steelbook package, we say to ourselves, what would we have liked in our as fans? What would we have liked? You know, this cover's beautiful. Let's put in a poster of the cover. Uh, the audio track was amazing. The, the music was great. Let's get a hold of whoever owns those rights and put a CD of only that in. So that's, you know, that's where my training came because my business partner is the, the master of it. So he didn't really want to get involved too much with the impulse stuff. And for me, it's right up my alley. So, wow, you know, I, uh, you know, I got to create it all myself and I'm not the creative at Synapse. He is. So, you know, to have people call me and say, you know what, this is just perfect. I've never seen something like this set up this way. Uh, the ease of use, the, the projector sound, the, you know, you're picking all good loops. I mean, thank you, you know, and I got a waiting list now. A guy ordered 44 from me the other day. I don't have them from the replicator yet. I said, Oh my God, I just took an order and I don't even, they're ordering in advance now before they're even done. So there's the, the people who've been buying them, you know, from me, what I mean is not through the website, but over the phone, they buy them all and they're sitting and waiting for more. So. Right. So That's why it definitely has a cult-like following behind it. Sure. People are scratching at your door to get the next set of volumes. Right. And it's incumbent upon me to keep the quality high, to keep the loops the best I can and can get and to throw out the crappy ones because it's a slippery slope. And once you start cutting corners, the, the whole thing falls apart and you lose your customer base. You disappoint people. I don't like disappointing people. No, and you've become a curator of sorts of uh, adult vintage erotica, uh, to which point I'd like to bring uh, attribution and provenance, one of those big topics in art world uh, today, topics, um, giving credit where credit is due, if you will. Uh, but many uh, performers and directors and studios uh, are either no longer in existence, alive, or attributed. Um, the titles of each loop are listed on the DVDs, and even those without titles are titled untitled, uh, literally. So how many of the loops actually have credits? Very, very, very few. I believe some of the companies would have header logos, but no credits of any type. And there's only one company, I believe, that actually threw in some credits at the beginning of the 
uh, of the loop. They throw in the never actors or actresses, only um, the director, uh, whoever was on camera, whoever uh, designed the costumes or, or I shouldn't say design, picked the costumes because some there's a whole bunch of loops that are period pieces as I alluded to before either with the Asian dress or there's you know Annette Haven another actress from the time uh, who started in loops but became a very popular adult film star um, she did a lot of Cleopatra she had a kind of an exotic long dark hair look to her very slender so they'd throw her in Cleopatra outfits and uh, you know I have at least five or ten loops where it's some her in various pairings or with multiple people but she's Cleopatra <laughs> not a not a bad uh, character to play no. to be known for playing <laughs> <laughs> right I'm not sure if the actual Cleopatra would be thrilled <laughs> yeah I don't know if we premise that to her what she would say in terms of the representation uh, though sexual goddess does come to mind so right, you know right. <laughs> but as far as attribution I mean think about it if you were somebody talked to you you saw somebody at a, a bus stop and you were in Hollywood trying to make it as a, a actress and somebody said, Hey, you know, you need a few bucks. I mean, the girls got paid more than the guys. Um, you went to their studio, you took off their, your clothes, you got three or 400 bucks in 1972 and you did something and then you left in humiliation and, you went off to pursue your career, your life or whatever. You really want somebody 20, 30 years later, 40 years later saying, and by the way, so-and-so was in this. I mean, it could be horribly humiliating. Now I've talked to a lot of actresses from the time. Some are perfectly happy with um, their notoriety. They're not ashamed or embarrassed, nor should they be. Uh, for example, my favorite actress, as far as just being the sweetest lady the nicest person was Serena and she's in some of our loops and I still have a relationship with her in that we do shows together. We try and get her booked if we can, you know, and she'll sit at the table next to us and we have uh, the movie Serena and adult fairy tale. And we bring a, a bunch of copies for her to sign for people and stuff like that. And she's very sweet. Uh, there's been other actresses that haven't been, so nice and there's no reason to bring up their names but then you know a friend of ours uh who started as a super fan and he's become a friend of our company he was a uh linda shaw maniac now linda shaw was in a bunch of loops in the early 70s <clears throat> i don't know if she actually had a film career i only remember her being in loops but she was a short blonde woman with you know large breasts and she was very enthusiastic and very pretty so she developed her own little following of which this particular gentleman was a huge fan of i mean everything was linda shaw do you have any linda shaw linda shaw linda shaw well he wrote his own fanzine and he sent me about 15 or 16 Linda Shaw loops to use in the volume. So, you know, so we would have them transferred and we'd return them to him. And he finally got a hold of me one day and he said, Oh, I finally found Linda Shaw. I said, Really? I said, Did you talk to her? He goes, I reached out to her and she was extremely embarrassed. She wanted, to have nothing to do with it. It was way in her past. She didn't want to relive it. She didn't want to talk about it. She didn't want any notoriety. She said, please go away and leave me alone. So the worst thing in the world you can do is to dredge that up from somebody who doesn't want it dredged up. So we don't do much. I mean, on the back of each disc, we throw a few titles out. And we also list a few of the actresses who are in the loops collections. But when I pick, I don't pick all Seika with Lisa DeLue and Annie Sprinkles and all the others. I pick a few that have recognizable actresses and a few that have unknown people in them because I find the unknown ones to be sexier. And also you, 
you know, you don't these the actresses the like uh, Lisa Delu, she's dead unfortunately, but like Serena or Annie Sprinkles, they're not going to be embarrassed to see their names on the back of these. They're going to be proud or thrilled or happy from what I've heard from talking to other people who know them. They they like that because they were never ashamed of what they did. But those that are, the last thing you want to do is hurt somebody. You just, it's not necessary. And so that's why we don't go into that much uh, detail as far on the back of the loop, you're only going to see the names of well-known adult actresses who were actually in films and they were well-known for, for this. And you're not going to see any names of people who are not well-known. It sounds like you're getting a grab bag of, of content, you know, from very well-established to some unknown and unattributed. And you, and also, you know, it's funny you say a grab bag, you never know what you're going to get. You might get a loop that makes your hair stand up. I mean, you know, cause again, we don't edit. And if one comes back from the transfer house and it's got people doing some crazy stuff, as long as it's not, you know, terribly violent in a realistic manner or involving animals or children, you're going to see it. So <laughs> the crazier, the better is uh... and there's a lot that covers. I'm just telling all the people listening. That's a huge pantheon of behaviors that you're going to see. If you can shoot it, you will make it. Well, wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and thank you, Jerry, for joining me today to talk about the Peep Show collection. Anytime. It's been a great pleasure. I love what you do, and I, I think it's important work. And I, it's, it just makes me feel good to, that, to know that there's people out there that aren't so... Uh, sex hasn't destroyed their lives, you know, either by their way they've been brought up with the religion and they're, you know, you have unrepressed people out there that can actually enjoy sex. And I think that's wonderful. And I think you're doing God's work, so to speak. I'm not religious, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's good stuff. It's very good. Well, stuff. thank so you. Thank I'm you. Happy, happy to come on anytime you ever want to talk to me or have questions or anything. Well, we're going to have to stay in touch and uh, come back on with a follow-up for the next collection. Absolutely. Anytime. Well, wonderful. And if you like what you're hearing, join me again, Abigail Div, next week for another feature on The Sex Lab.